you're tuned into the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. Brendan Delahunty is President and Representative Director of Sports, Travel and Hospitality Japan. On this episode, Brendan and Sam discuss the involvement with the 2019 World Cup, as well as logistics around organizing hospitality for the Tokyo Olympics. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. Brendan Delahunty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Happy to be here, mate. Yeah, no, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and chat to us today. Uh, for the listeners, uh, perhaps if you can just provide a bit of a, a brief background on um, your, your history, your history in Japan, um, some of the past roles that you've had and, and your current role. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, well, as, uh, as you obviously know, Sam, I'm, I'm an Aussie as well uh, here in Japan. So I first came here I think back in 1993. So I've been here for, for quite a long time. I came first of all on the JET program. Uh, and then worked at a college for a couple of years after that. Um, I then moved on to uh, an education company called Pearson. And at the time they owned the Financial Times and Penguin Books, but Pearson was the education part of the business and um, uh, still is, I think, the largest education company in the world. So I worked there for about 17 years. Um, wow. Some of that time was in, in Japan and some of it was in, uh, in, in the UK. But the last role I had within Pearson was um, Running the uh, the Pearson Education Japan Japan office here, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, that was a pretty uh, interesting role, getting really heavily involved in, in university and, and high school high school education. But when I left, I I was really interested in in um, working in sports, um, and uh, it was in the lead up to the Rugby World Cup. So uh, I managed to find a job with with STH, which is where I am now. So I, I I'm the president of the business here. Uh, and our, our key role when we set up the business um, in, in 2016, 2017, was actually to set up the uh, official hospitality program for the Rugby World Cup. Now we've got uh, a couple of big shareholders um, in the UK. We've got STH UK who are backed by a large French uh, multinational called Sodexo. Um, but the big partner that we have here in Japan is JTB, who I'm sure uh, most, people, most people know uh, very well. They're a 49% shareholder in our business. Flag waivers. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, you don't you don't do any of that yourself. You don't lead uh, tour groups around uh, waivers. Well, uh, I'll, I'll come on to that in a minute. Okay, cool. And <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, uh, just before you go on, uh, Brendan, just uh, to clarify, um, the STH stands for um, uh, STH stands for Sports, Travel, and Hospitality. Yeah. Um, so uh, STH in the UK has been running for probably the last four Rugby World Cups. Um, uh, we've done the Rugby World Cups in, in New Zealand, um, France, England, and here in Japan. And, and Sodexo, I think, was actually involved in the one in Australia as well. Mm. So our job was to actually set up the, um, the hospitality program here in, in Japan. And it was quite tough because, you know, as, as a lot of people know, the, the venues and the stadiums in Japan are not really set up in the same way as they are overseas. So the types of corporate boxes and things that you would, would expect to see with kitchens and all the equipment you need to run hospitality don't really exist in this in this country in most of the stadiums mm. so we had to find different interesting ways to run that um, uh, what we have done um, in the past what we did here was to build a temporary structure at, at Yokohama uh, and uh, we, we, held, we hosted I guess about 1600 people um, for all the games that were in, in Yokohama during the Rugby World Cup including the semi-finals and the finals and that was a that was a massive success for us and uh, uh, you know, we 
we weren't quite sure at the beginning how it was going to work out, but we did find that Japanese customers seem to love sports hospitality. So really, as part of that process, yeah, we, we decided to, to apply um, for the hospitality program at, at the Olympics. And um, so we are, we are involved in that, and I'll come to that in a minute. But the other stuff that we've um, we started to look at is, is running a travel business as well. So uh, we've got a class one travel license now, and obviously with the support of JTB, that's really helpful in terms of setting up a travel program. So the first one that we're going to be doing is the Rugby World Cup in 2023, and that's where my flag-waving experience will start to um, start to come to the, to the fore. We just released some packages for that, um, but we're also looking at uh, doing hospitality or being a sales agent for hospitality in F1 in Suzuka this year. Yep. Um, we've got some links with baseball that, are, that should be coming up soon. So we started to branch out really, and that, that was the point of the business here, was to get set up with Rugby World Cup to see where else we could go with that. And the main one that we're working on at the moment, um, we are the, um, we're working with, with TOCOG as the official hospitality uh, office. So um, similar to Rugby World Cup, there is official in-venue hospitality at many of the events that are going on, um, and particularly around aquatics, uh, athletics, and golf, where we're building temporary structures. Those are the, the really big ones, but at some of the smaller venues too, there'll be, there'll be hospitality at the venues that um, that customers can come along, they can enjoy uh, the games, um, and then they can they can uh, experience hospitality packages as well, which usually includes food, beverage, some form of experience or entertainment, mm. things like guest speakers, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's that's what we do as as part of our business here in STH. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, are there things that you've sort of learnt and pick up, picked up from your experience with the Rugby World Cup that you've sort of been able to implement into the planning uh, of what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, I think, um, you, you know, we, we had um, quite a few operators come in from overseas and, and uh, one of the big learnings was about the, the building laws here in, in Japan around mm -hmm. temporary structures. Right. Um, obviously, it's not quite as easy to get... Uh, planning permissions, et cetera, uh, passed here in Japan because the laws are more stringent given the, the earthquake scenario here. Um, land, land and space is, is difficult. Um, and I think the biggest learning that we had was that um, unexpectedly, it was very difficult to find people to help fit out and do the catering for large numbers of, of hospitality um, uh, customers. So, you know, at Yokohama, we, we were doing 1,600 people a day. They were sit-down meals, um, uh, four or five courses in, in some cases, and to find a caterer that was able to do that uh, away from a uh, from, from their usual venue was was quite difficult. We built up a good relationship with um, with Hilton, uh, and, and they've worked with us very closely both at Rugby World Cup, and they're going to be working with us at the um, the Olympics as well. So uh, happy to have them on on board and, and working with us on on that particular issue and, and taking you know, the standard of stadium food that you would normally get uh, up to a completely different level here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and obviously, you know, the Olympics that uh, are going to go ahead this year is, is going to be very different to what we've experienced in the past. Uh, and there's obviously a lot of uncertainty with exactly how that's going to play out. 
Um, and between now and July, there's obviously a, a lot of things that can change. And I understand that uh, the, the parties involved uh, are not necessarily you know, revealing all the information that, um, that is going on. But uh, from your understanding, what sort of form are the Olympics going to take in, in 2021? I think it's, you know, it's a really good question because um, the uncertainty means that decision-making is being pushed back as, as late as possible. Mm. Uh, and to be honest, we don't have access to those types of decisions either until, you know, probably pretty much just before the, the public does. We might get a day or two's no, a day or two notice beforehand. Right. Um, although we do tend to follow the news a bit more closely, so we track what we can that way. Um, now, looking at the latest reports coming out of uh, news agencies like the, the Nikkei, um, they have been talking about the fact that the um, Tokyo Metropolitan Governor uh, Koikisan is looking, or she has mentioned that 50% social distancing um, in stadiums would be uh, a reasonable amount of social distancing to expect. Now, we don't know uh, under what circumstances that might be implemented. So that could be the decision that they go with. Uh, they might decide to wait a little bit and see how the COVID cases are um, progressing in Tokyo. Uh, we don't know whether that means that in some, some venues that are indoor, uh, so table tennis, for example, where you don't get as much ventilation, they may increase social distancing percentage, but at a stadium where you have more, obviously, outdoor mm. uh, ventilation, they may, they, they may um, decrease that social distancing percentage. So that's all to come. Now, the decision is supposed to happen around about the end of April. Uh, wow. I know that, that some... Uh, members of the various organisations involved, including the IOC, are, are keen to see that delayed a little bit so that they can look at the, the, the latest situation um, just before the Games. That does have complications and implications then for ticketing uh, because obviously you've got to think about, you know, you've got millions of potential customers coming along to these Games and then what does that mean if you have to stop or prevent some of them coming how do you go about that or how do you you know release general public tickets later on so there's there's all sorts of ongoing implications from from that from that actual decision um so the games themselves are going to be very different i think from from what you normally expect uh they'll be probably much quieter as uh you know the the um the authorities here have, have been requesting people to to not cheer and to not to not make loud noises um, when they're when they're spectating. Uh, I'm not sure if eating and drinking is going to be allowed in the stadiums to encourage people to wear masks all the time. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things that that will um, that will be different about these games. And I think two years ago we would have thought this would would have been a disaster to have this. But given the fact that the games might might go ahead or, or are likely to go ahead. Just the um, the ability of the organising committee to put something on and get it out there and, and run a, an Olympic Games under these conditions is, is going to be pretty remarkable, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and do you know anything about sort of the ticketing and and whether um, people who have uh, purchased tickets in the um, the ballot a couple of years ago whether um, they'll actually be entitled to those tickets? Uh, obviously, it will depend on the capacity of, of the stadiums and things like that. But um, yeah, do you do you have any sort of intel on into how that'll work? Or? To be honest, not really. Um, 
what we do know is is that overseas spectators are obviously not allowed as it's been in the news um i think the way that will happen is obviously through the visa restrictions to stop people getting into the into the country um so there's you know quite a few hundred thousand of those tickets that um that will that will become available and there was a refund process that was run last year where obviously people who decided that they didn't want to go could hand their tickets back in so um you know a, a number of tickets have already been handed back to the to the organizing committee um i don't know if that's enough to cover uh the social distancing guidelines that they will put in place and whether more people then have to um lose their lose their right to the to the um uh, to go to the games mm. um and what and how the organizing committee will actually run that process and to be honest i can imagine for the ticketing team it's a complete headache to try and figure out how you separate uh, different groups of people, um, how you set up the stadium. So do you set it that, that people can sit together in groups of 10 or 15 if they all know each other? Yeah. Or if every single uh, person has to sit with, a, with an empty seat around them? Um, so depending on, on which scenario they choose, you could have more or less people in the, in the stadiums and the, and, and the venues. Um, our office here is in, in Guy and Maya, and we, we sit opposite the Yakult Swallows uh, baseball stadium. From what we can see, they tend to go for um, smaller groups sitting together. Um, so you could have five to ten people all bunched together if they know each other. They, they come as a group, and then there'll be some spacing between them. And that generally tends to fill the um, fill more of the stadium. It, it gives the, yeah. the stadium um, more opportunities to, to to sell more seats. Yep. Yep. So all of those, you know, all of those things will will come into play at some stage. Uh, TOCOG is is working with the metropolitan government to come up with what they call playbooks, which are which are rules and guidelines about how to deal with um, the, the the COVID situation here. Going through security checks, obviously, social distancing is going to become more important because that's where you will get a bottleneck of people. Mm. How people behave around the stadium itself, getting in and out of the stadium, um, on the concourses, all of these things will have have, have guidelines uh, that will be different from from usual. So I, I think um, you know we, we really do have to wait and see uh, what those what those um, social distancing instructions are from the metropolitan government before we'll have a clear idea about how that will impact then on people's tickets and ability to go to the games um, in in July and August. Club 360 is Tokyo's premier health, fitness, and rehabilitation centre, offering physiotherapy osteopathy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Moto Azubu and Higashi Azubu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukoen and Yokohama, Club360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world ready to take care of your injury and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthier and happier life. Come visit us at cop360.jp or follow us at cop360rupongi on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. And for your side of the uh, the business, uh, how is that impacting you? And did you have uh, several plans or several sort of protocols uh, based on yeah, how those social distance requirements change or how are you sort of structuring things at the moment? Yeah, it's obviously made things a lot more complicated for us. Uh, <laughs> we need to think about how people sit in the in the structures that we build and, and uh, try to figure out uh, how we can operate within those those playbook guidelines that that TOCOG are, are putting out. Um, we've also had to look at 
the way that restaurants and and um, and other areas here are operating with uh, those those types of perspex um, uh, dividers that you often see in in, in um, hotels and, and and restaurants here now, mm. uh, while also maintaining the, the air of um, exclusivity, I guess that that yeah. hospitality is supposed to generate. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's quite a bit about that. We need to look at how we we serve people. Um, generally speaking, um, we're looking at much more of that single serve uh, plates rather than using buffets, for example, yep. uh, where possible. So these these types of things are, are things uh, are the types of considerations that we've had to had to look at and, and, and make changes. And it, it does it does complicate the, the the process because it's just another. Thing on top of quite quite a quite a difficult um, um, organization anyway uh, yeah. to, to provide a hospitality program uh, when you have to then add this layer of, of additional measures on top uh, it it hasn't it hasn't um, it hasn't been easy for our ops team so they've done a great job in figuring out ways to to operate within these uh, within these conditions yeah yeah the I think the other thing that that hasn't helped us is give, given the fact that um, Tokyo, Tokyo and Japan as a whole is, is pretty much locked down to, to overseas um, visitors at the moment. Generally speaking, as we get closer to the games, we get more staff in to help out. So as the venues are built, we need venue managers and assistant venue managers. So um, Japan's lack of experience in hospitality means that we need to normally go overseas to bring people in. Right. Um, but we can't get them in at the moment, so right. yeah, we've got all sorts of um, all sorts of complications going on there. We've got a couple of people who are in quarantine at the moment in one of those tiny business hotels that they have. Um, conditions are not pleasant, so that, that's a turn off then for people who are coming in as well. So yeah, but but you have been able to. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, the, the pool is, is not going to be as great, and it's, it's more difficult to bring people over. But you are actually able to to bring people from overseas. We've we've managed to get a few people in, uh, but the process is is very very complicated. Um, and it's it's a turn off actually. If, if you're sitting overseas and you're coming in for a couple of months, you have to spend two weeks in a in a tiny hotel room. These yeah. are literally ten or eleven square meters uh, before you can then begin working again. Yeah, um, you know that that's sort of big incentive to 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 want to show up and and, and come to the games here. So some people are saying yes, we'll we'll put up with it because experience of working on the games is you know it's, it's a fairly unique one and um a lot of people will want to have that on their cvs other people are looking at this and saying happy to wait till paris and yeah we got her over there um so is it this in some areas uh, there's a little bit of a i guess a negative sentiment about the olympics just being you know very different from what we would expect and there's some people saying that oh maybe it shouldn't go ahead what are, what are the real big positives that you can see at the moment and what what are the things that you're excited about um with having the event going ahead uh, well you're right I, I think the the sentiment and you, you can see in in the polling that that, that the japanese people at the moment are you know um, quite against to having the having the games here. The majority of people, mm. although to be honest, I think in in the build up to the Olympics, you often find that there's a lot of negative um, um, feedback to, towards the games. So it happens in London. It happens. It happens everywhere. That that in the months before the games are held, people are generally split between having them and not having them because there's such a cost involved in having the games. There's a lot of disruption to the city. 
So it causes it causes all sorts of problems. And, and generally speaking, um, in the lead up to any games, there's always there's always a lot of negativity. That tends to change as you get closer and closer to the games, and people start to get excited about having international spectators come in, having all these famous sports stars come in, seeing records broken, all these types of things. Mm. Now that's starting to happen here in Japan as well. Um, now the big the big news over the past couple of weeks has been some of the stuff that's happening with the Japanese sports stars. So uh, you've got that um, Japanese swimmer, Hikei-san, who uh, has recovered from leukemia and come back to qualify for the Olympic Games. And, and you know, that type of, of overcoming hardship story goes down so well here. And I, yeah. I think a lot of people are now starting to think, well, they'd love to see her compete in the Games and hopefully win a medal um, because her, her backstory is so... Um, you know, so 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 um, emotional, I guess. Yeah, in yeah, inspiring. Yeah. Um, and then you have someone like um, Hideki Murayama, who, who's, who's just won the Masters in the US. Um, you know, he'll be competing at, at the golf uh, in, in his home Olympics. Um, yep. So there's going to be you know a lot of a, a lot of interest in in him. Um, there's talk of him potentially being the person who might light the Olympic cauldron uh, at the opening at the opening ceremony. Whether that that's true or not, we we don't know. We've got the torch relay going on at the moment, and, and even though that's also um, kind of being changed a little bit because of COVID conditions, as as that touches different parts of Japan, people start to realise that the games are happening; they are going on. Um, so there's a lot more um, interest, and and uh, we're starting to see the mood too with our customers start to to change. At the beginning of the year, nobody was interested in talking about hospitality and bringing guests, but particularly over the last couple of weeks, as these stories have started to filter out, we're starting to see a, a, a significant uptick in, in, the, um, in the tickets that we're able to sell, the packages that we're able to sell. Um, because, as I mentioned before, general public tickets may not go back on sale. So the only way really to get into the games now is through hospitality. Um, so we're seeing corporations and businesses and, and even individuals coming to us and saying, well, what have, what have you got? And, how can we uh, how can we get some some access into into some of these events at aquatics at a golf the opening ceremony closing ceremony hundred meter finals is always a big one so um, for us too we're starting to see a, a change in sentiment just in the way that people are reacting to our our, our salespeople yeah and uh, and how how many sort of text messages do you personally expect to to receive uh, as it gets closer to the event uh, hey Brendo have you got any tickets for tonight's uh, tonight's event surely that's uh... <laughs> If the uh, if the Rugby World Cup is any indication, <laughs> the final I think I went onto silent mode for a, for a while. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite difficult, you know. I mean, our contract specifically says we can't sell tickets um, separately. We have to sell them as part of the hospitality packages. So it's it's a it's a difficult thing to to be able to say to people, we we do have we do have tickets, but you have to purchase them as part of a part of a package. Yeah. Um, we will. We we have a handback process where a few weeks before the the game start, we we do a final handback of, of of what we think we won't need in terms of tickets. Now, normally that will go back onto general public sale. Um, I don't think that will happen in this in this particular case. If if the social distancing guidelines are up around about 50, 50 or sixty percent, but you never know. There may be a late flurry of of, of tickets on the market, um, just as as. If, if the if the organising committee for some reason decides to change those guidelines at, at, at a very late stage, so there's always there's always hope, uh, but 
yeah, it's it's difficult as you get closer and closer to the games. Those, those tickets become rarer and rarer. And uh, we've yeah. just um, we've just put out a um, uh, a special package on on the opening ceremony. It's about a hundred days to go, I think, from yesterday to the opening ceremony. So there was a, a special deal for opening ceremony by itself. Uh, hundred packages uh, open to the market, and we've had a lot of phone calls about that already uh, yesterday and today. So right. we're putting more of those things out. Um, uh, out uh, to to the market over the next uh, over the next few weeks as we have the hundred days to go to the hundred meter final, hundred days to go to the closing ceremony, etc. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and I, I guess yeah, I know you'll be hitting me up for tickets though. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Until the end of May, Club Three Hundred and Sixty is offering an initial class for only a thousand yen. Come and try one of our classes, including Fit Three Hundred and Sixty, Boxing, Core and Cardio, and more. Meet our highly trained instructors and experience the fun and friendly environment that Club360 has to offer. Contact info at club360.jp for more details. Um, I guess then, so starting to wrap up, if, if people uh, or um, companies are looking to uh, purchase some of those packages, um, wh- wh- how can they find you? What's, what's the best place to, to go there? The, the best thing to do is is to they're, they're on the uh, Tokyo 2020, 2020 website. There is an official hospitality uh, section, um, and actually, if I just look at the the website itself, it's just called official hospitality at Tokyo2020.org. The best thing to do is go on there. People can have a look at packages, and they can decide if they want to go along and and, and um, enjoy some of that hospitality. They register, and once they've registered, then one of our salespeople will, will contact them uh, directly to make sure that they can uh, have a discussion about what they want, and we can try and find the best solution um, in their budget, their dates, etc., uh, to help them get along to those uh, to those games. Yeah, and then just mention the code Legend Brendan, and you get an extra twenty five percent off. Is that right? <laughs> that might work. We'll have to have a look at that. <laughs> All right. Um, well, as I said, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and, and coming on today, Brendan. Um, is there any other sort of thoughts on the Olympics or anything that you'd sort of like to close with today? Um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really special occasion. Um, it's probably going to be a much more emotional Olympics than, than, um, than previous ones because, uh, you know, as Thomas Bach, the, 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 the um, head of the IOC, has come out and said, they want to use this as a way of, of the world starting to emerge from the COVID, the COVID mm. crisis. You're going to hear a lot of stories about people and athletes training, you know, how they've overcome these situations. I'm sure there'll be lots of emotional stories about people having lost family members, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I suspect that this will be quite an emotional Olympics in, in many ways as, as a lot of those backstories start to come out about the, about the athletes and, mm. Um, if possible, if, you, if you've got tickets already and, and um, you're thinking about whether or not to go, I'd highly recommend yeah. hanging on to it as much as possible um, and, and trying to get there because even though they'll be different and slightly strange and, and won't be the same experience as normal, it's the one Olympics that people will refer back to as, 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 as being completely and utterly different from any other Olympics that's taken place in, in history. So. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely worthwhile if, if you've got those um, tickets already. Don't give them up. Make sure that you try and get there and, and, and be, be part of it. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, I'm, I'm feeling emotional just hearing that. Starting <laughs> to get goosebumps. All right, well, uh, thanks again, uh, Brendan. I mean, if, if things sort of change and, and there's new sort of develop, developments coming on, or if you want to talk about other sort of aspects of the business, we'd uh, yeah, love to have you back again in the future. But uh, yeah, yeah thanks again for today. I was going to say, um, you know, we'll hear a lot more towards the end of April, beginning of yeah. May. So perhaps the end of May might be a good time to, to come back and do an update. Sounds good. All right, thanks, Brendan. Great. Take care. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.